This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 510 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome back on the show, Fahim Fazli. Now, Fahim is my guest on episode 62, where he told his powerful story of growing up in Afghanistan, ultimately fleeing as a refugee and finding himself here in the US. He entered the world of acting and in the middle of his Hollywood career, volunteered to become an interpreter and cultural ambassador attached to the Marine Corps, where he spent several tours. Now, I wanted to bring on an Afghani native to give the perspective from their eyes of the last 20 years. And obviously, based on Fahim's story, he's a very, very proud American. So it gives him a very unique lens. As you know, I had Johnny Walker on, who was an Iraqi native. I have several members of the military giving their perspective of the withdrawal. And it's very, very important, I think, that we hear the Afghani people's voice. So before we get to that conversation, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback and leave a rating. Every five star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of over 500 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I welcome back. Fahim Fazli. Enjoy.
So Fahim, I want to start by saying, firstly, welcome back to the Behind the Shield podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for allowing me to come for the second chance for the special regarding Afghanistan. Thank you again. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And the reason why that your voice is so important, for everyone who didn't listen to episode 62, you were connected with me through Julia Dai, Julia and Dale Dai. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, you told your incredible story. You were Afghani native. You, um, you then ultimately were a refugee, found yourself here in the U.S., Pursuing mm-hmm. acting in the middle of your acting career, you stopped and ended up joining alongside the Marines to act as an interpreter. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, just like, um, I had a, an Iraqi Johnny Walker who did a very similar thing. He was an Af- uh, Iraqi native and ended up moving to the US. The SEALs actually brought him over after he helped for, for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but so just to kind of recap, you, you grew up in Afghanistan. You are now a proud American. You've worked alongside the Marines. So your your perspective and your voice, I think, is going to be very, very powerful in this conversation. So thank you so much for coming on. I think I think your voice is one that people need to hear right now. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me, especially nowadays as everybody's in trouble in Afghanistan. And a special, I want a special thank to our military, U.S. military, uh, what they did for Afghanis last 20 years. And I'm very appreciate and I'm appreciate being part of them too as a culture technical advisor linguist with 340 India company. And I want a special thanks to Colonel Moffitt, General Mills, General Nicholson, and Captain Benson and Staff Sergeant Cook, which is my team. And we did a great job and I'm very proud to be part of them. Absolutely. So I think that's <clears throat> that's what I want to get to. And this is the whole core of this podcast is, you know, you have sadly politics really blurring the truth in many many areas you know and i'm i'm anti-left and right so let me make that clear <laughs> i'm you know the way that we've been divided at the moment i find disgusting so it's really about telling the human story you know and there is no black and white when it comes to that before we get yeah. to that story though i'd love to kind of as as an icebreaker when we spoke last you had uh, worked on american sniper you'd worked on 12 strong and some other films um so i know one of the big ones that you just did was rock the casbah with bill murray so just kind of bring us up to date on your acting side first and then we'll kind of transition over to to the conflict Sure. We when I was in Afghanistan, 2014, um, with US Marine, my agents called me. He said, "Fahim, I know you want to pay your dues the, the, the for the second time because I went to Afghanistan 2009 and 2010. Then I go again 2014. I was in a background air base. Uh, my agent Richard Corners called me. He said, "Fahim, I got a big audition for you. They request you as a." A, uh, a head of uh, a village with the warlord and working with uh, Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, Zoe Deschanel. I'm saying, Richard, I'm in background area, but what do you want me to do? I don't have a equipment or the technology to read uh, the script. He says, do me a favor, just please, please read this. This is perfect for you. Then I read the script. I was a, My characters was a father. And uh, I really like it because the character I want, I'm at home, I have a, my daughter, Sophia Fosley, and I can play very well on that characters because I don't have to fake it or I, have, I don't have to act it. And yeah, I like the script and uh, they, I, call, I tell my journal and I tell DOD Department of Defense, uh, I get a big role, I got to go. And they were a little disappointed because uh, they need me because the, the language I speak and I had a great reput- uh, reputation, 2009, 2000, 
10 when I was in Afghanistan, Delaram, Bujibas, Nimruz, Nauzad, Elman province, and uh, Letterneck. And I did, I did left a good reputation over there. And that's why they want me to come back 2014. But uh, my career was on the side. I paid already my dues 2009, 2010. And 2014, the reason I go, because one of my commanders wants me to be there. And yeah, I accept the job and they uh, land me in a plane. I come back to uh, Dubai, Dubai to US and uh, got the job and went to Morocco, shot it and, and peacefully. And I was working with the king of uh, Hollywood, Bill Murray and Bruce Willis. So talk to me about that role, because it seems to me, um, you know, it's very easy to get typecast in Hollywood and even... <laughs> Myself, I worked on the World Trade Center film as a firefighter, and I almost didn't get that role. And this is an extra because they said I I look too Californian. Now I'm from England, so I don't know where the <laughs> hell they got that. But again, they the stereotype was either the kind of Irish American or the Italian American. That was kind of the lens they were looking at, and you know, missing the diversity of New York City. Um, but it seems like you had had several roles where you know you were some sort of warlord, whether it was the good side or the bad side. This this element, as you said, you get to play a man, a father, a little more th than the two-dimensional characters that maybe you played before. So what was it like for you having that kind of role and getting away a little bit from the typecasting that you've been exposed to before? Uh, the last 23 years of my career, I'm always get typecasted because in Afghanistan right now, in Iraq, war was going on. Every war uh, terrorist leader or head of the Taliban, they always call me and I speak all those languages. I'm always qualified compared to the, some Arab guy or Iranian guy. Yeah, I've been typecast, which just wasn't bothering me because uh, you have to understand they hijacked the religion. And I'm not trying to uh, uh, demolish them to say bad things about them, but they did. Some of them, they introduced Islam the wrong way, which is that was totally wrong. That Quran didn't say, go blow up yourself, all the other stuff. But you have to understand, all doesn't matter what religion you are. Once you become a fundamentalist, you become a fundamentalist. Yeah, and when I read the script, Rock the Casbah, I was very excited. I had a tears on my eyes. Finally, I'm working, uh, not terrorists, I'm working a father. Uh, then uh, I delivered it so well, and I was very excited. I was a little, with my acting was going a little harsh, and Bill Murray says, calm down, calm down, Fahim, this time you were playing a good guy. And it was a little hard for me to deliver it, but I delivered it because my daughters, I was a, I'm, I am a good father, and which is my daughters love me, I love her. We have a great relationship. And thanks God, I was a good father in real life, and I did a good job, and I don't have to be typecast anymore. I am, I, I will accept it, I need kind of jobs, but I prefer uh, not be typecast as a terrorist or bad guy or this. But it's still a job, it's a job, pay my rent. Yeah, well, even as an Englishman, it's funny, when I look at Hollywood, so often the English guy is the bad guy. You know, yeah, apart from James Bond. Bond. <laughs> yeah, James Bond, or Russian was a, a KGV or German. Was exactly. The, yeah, everybody been targeted. Now we've been targeted. I mean, hopefully we're not going to be get targeted again after this. Today, the American left Afghanistan. We'll see what happened. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's start talking about that. So you gave your own story. So I don't want to kind of drag you through that again. What I would love to do. I've had many, many, many members of the uh, the military on here. You know, many you know people that are Iraqi or from Sierra Leone or some of these other um, war zones that were you know indigenous people themselves. 
we had, and, and those those uh, men and women of the military always told some of the horrors they saw that were put upon the Afghani people, upon the Iraqi people by Al-Qaeda, by um, the Taliban. And they told of the kindness that they saw amongst the Afghani people or the Iraqi people or the Bosnian people. Um, but it's very rare that we hear an Afghani voice amongst all the kind of divisive politics again that we're seeing. Of course, you know, there's a strong message that we're leaving our allies behind. Of course, there's a strong message that our own veterans are feeling, you know, was what we did worth it, you know. So there are some some strong things coming out of that. If you wouldn't mind, lead us kind of from the beginning of the Afghani conflict and then kind of fill in some of the areas that you feel that the message hasn't been given across. I'll give you the microphone. Just kind of walk us through, you know, was it good at the beginning? You know, when did, when did we feel like we were kind of uh, occupying rather than helping? Any, anything like that? Uh, myself, uh, 1979, I was 12 years old. My mom was midwife, the prisoner of Afghanistan. My dad was prisoner of National Bank. And my parents got split it because of the Russian, because of the communists. My mom took my two brother and one brother, two sisters, Skip. And we didn't, me and my father, my younger brother, didn't see them for five years. Then I escaped as a refugee it's all the way down to Pakistan. Pakistan took us seven, five years later. Uh, we ended up to Pakistan and uh, Pakistan to the first things when I saw in Pakistan, uh, uh, there's a refugee camp, a million, million of us was there. And of course, the last five years, I was uh, uh, been controlled by communists. Three million Afghan die. Yeah, when I arrive in Pakistan and I keep hearing uh, Charlie Wilson, Charlie Wilson, Ronald Reagan, Stingers, and 1983, 84. Um, and this uh, problem is start 1979, how American got involved in Afghanistan. Actually, uh, let me go a little backward. Um, 1879, with the British attack Afghanistan, 1919, the second time they attack, and 1939, the first attack, and the British invade Afghanistan three times. And they, the freedom fighter that time, 18 years, uh, 1870, 1839, <coughs> apologize, 1839, there was uh, the freedom fighter that time was getting support by Russian because the Russian doesn't want the, the West coming closer to India and Pakistan and Afghanistan. It's 100 years later, 1979, the Russian invaded Afghanistan. That's, that's, that's for the West to support the freedom fighters to defeat the communists. And that's why Charlie Wilson and Ronald Reagan start sending money to Pakistan. Pakistan, of course, they take advantage of us. They, they send us $10 example. They took $7. They gave us $3 to refugee. That's the example I'm talking about. Of course, it was a billion, million dollars. And here is in America, factories making more weapons. Everybody involved in making money. Afghanistan was the fuel of cost of machine making for the West. And Germans got involved, the British got involved. Everybody wants to support the Afghan and Pakistanis, Saudis, and everybody joined the Bin Laden, joined to freedom fighting, to fight uh, among the CIA. Everybody that's one team and when they uh, helping uh, freedom fighters from Pakistan. Then 19, uh, 1970, 19, 
Well, let me crack my uh, 1989 when the Russian got defeated, the freedom fighters took over and uh, the American uh, washed their hand to stop helping the freedom fighters. Uh, basically, they left they left uh, professional fighters and with full of weapons, uh, stingers. They let them f- fight among each other and Pakistan washed their hand too and said, we did them defeat the communists, we're done. That's how the Milanians started getting pissed off. And America was focusing to Middle East, uh, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, uh, the, between uh, Iranian and Iraqi war. And 1996, the Taliban took advantage of it as a weakness because a big fight was going on between Northern Alliance and uh, Gulbuddin Ekmatyar. All the seven groups was fought for each other to who's going to get to become a president. Then 1996, uh, Taliban was trained very, very hard and very special by Pakistan and Saudis. They invade Afghanistan 24 hours. What they did, they took Afghanistan in 24 hours, like they did 18 days ago. And um, 9-11 happened. 9-11 once happened. Uh, of course, uh, Afghanistan was nothing to do with 9-11 because the 19 hijacker was Saudis. And uh, of course, Bin Laden was living in Afghanistan, wasn't living in Afghanistan. The later on, we proved that he captured in Pakistan, Lower Pindi, which is all the intelligence was wrong. Invading Afghanistan, they came in from uh, northern Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan. They came in Af- American, bought a base bribing and the uh, Kyrgyzstan a million billion dollars to use their airfield. And they come into Afghanistan at nighttime, which is the 12th strong horse soldier, the book. That's how they invade Afghanistan and Northern Alliance uh, uh, helped them up to force the Taliban, which is that was a big mistake. They pushed them from north to south. Of course, they can all run away to Pakistan. In that time, Pakistan was brainwashed by, I mean, uh, uh, Taliban was brainwashed by Al-Qaeda and ISIS wasn't exist that time. And Bin Laden, of course, he was living in Rawalpindi for all this time. And uh, American force invade Afghanistan. They kicked them out. In the last 20 years, uh, we put two puppet president, which is one, Amit Karzai, and the other one, Zaghani. And uh, these two puppets come in from American, and which is puppet. Now, you have to understand, puppet president doesn't work. No matter what, what country your puppet doesn't work. And so if the people of revolutions if choose somebody, a puppet doesn't work. And we pumping money in this country. We uh, pumping money with weapons, uh, uh, planes, days, and we uh, helping uh, American help three trillion dollar in twenty years. Hundred sixty five billion dollar was missing. And uh, the Afghan uh, corruption government was lying to American. They says we have a 350,000 soldier, which is not correct. There was only 200,000 and other, other, another $150 was taking money from the name of soldier, but the soldiers not exist. <laughs> which is the American been dropped uh, by Afghan government. And the... Uh, uh, all these warlords, they driving 
the fancy cars, the building castle, even their toilets made of gold. And all these things, and Americans keep pumping money, give it to them. And the time I was there in 2009 was patrolling, and one truck stopped us, my, my, me and my colonel, uh, uh, Captain Benson. And the Captain Benson asked him, what's going on? How's the road? Everything's safe for you guys. The guy was crying. He says, I just brought a banana or apple to bring it from Pakistan to Kabul. I'm already stopped 10 different checkpoints by the uh, Afghan government. I have to bribe them. By the time I get in Kabul, probably I'm spending $10,000. And the Afghan guy told Captain Benson, please tell your commander, tell your Captain Benson, why don't you stop the corruption first before you come save us from Pakistan? And the driver's telling us the corruption, the Taliban's coming from Pakistan. Why don't you guys kill? Why don't you keep cutting off the root of the uh, terrorists, which is where they come from? And uh, that driver, I'll never forget that. And one of my best translation, one of my captains, captain was telling one of the villagers, uh, actually one of the Taliban, he was, we I did a negotiate between them. We talked, make sure we don't shoot each other. And one of the older gentlemen was there, Afghan. Uh, one of my captain, uh, he says, Fahim, tell him we have the best weapon. We have this. We're a superpower with this. We have helicopter. We, don't, we can destroy this village. Please tell us where's the Taliban is. Guess what the guy says? We have a time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And that's true. 20 years, 20 years, they, I remember that one of my best translation. Yeah, uh, everybody get rich, both sides. And I'm just, uh, I want to tell your audience, I'm not neither side. I'm independent. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I just want to tell the truth, what I saw in my own eyes. And a lot of Afghans got rich. And the one took off the president of Afghanistan world with his team. And the Northern Alliance couple commanders, uh, they talked Dostam, Rashid Dostam, the Colonel General Rashid Dostam, he took a lot of money. And they took American money, Afghan money, and this uh, situation, why this uh, Afghan soldiers give up. And I did talk to a couple Afghan soldiers when we were in Elman uh, uh, province. They were coming to our base and FOP, and they says, Fahim, tell your commander, our government doesn't pay us almost for six months. Can you give me your boots? Can you give me the container? Can you give me uh, one of the shovel? We haven't seen our family for two years. They won't give us. And basically, American got fooled by this uh, corruption company, uh, governor, government, and we pumping money for the wrong people. And uh, it's tough. It's tough who you trust or not trust. In the last two days, three days, uh, Taliban team up with the American CIA, which is the CIA agent was there two days, three days ago. And you have to understand the Taliban is not the same Taliban was 20 years ago. They are more modern. They see TVs, movies. I just uh, listen to Afghan TV. They allow, allow women to go back to school. They TV and they allow children's play, kites, this slowly. But you have to understand this time Taliban's not going to mess it up. They're not going to mess it up. Make sure they're accurate. They're soft. Make sure it's not getting a finger point by uh, United Nations. 
And they made a deal with China, U.S. and China and uh, Afghan Taliban. They made a deal. They're going to very soon, Chinese are going to start working. And don't forget that Afghanistan is the richest country in the world, which has never been touched. We have a lithium, we have uranium, we have a natural gas, we have everything, you name it. But the American wasn't there to go over there popping uh, lithium, uranium. They were there for uh, to save Afghanistan from the communists, from the terrorists which is the first time Ronald Reagan did from the communists. And uh, it's very sad. It's very sad. Uh, that's the way we walk away. We had, uh, we, uh, this 13 Marine died and uh, 300 Afghan died the last five days, two days. And now ISIS is getting very strong and powerful. And I did warning President Obama. I did warning President Biden. I didn't warning. I apologize. I sent a message. Uh, I'm saying if you guys leaving Afghanistan is going to be second 9-11, which is now um, I'm more have a fears from ISIS and uh, which is they're the Wahhabis coming from Saudis and they're supporting by Pakistan. And one mistake we did in Afghanistan, we should have get rid of the root of the evil of terrorists, which is, was Pakistan, Pakistan government, the ISI. Uh, ISI very powerful and they've been fooling American intelligence for a long time. Well, there's so much in there to unpack. And I think I'd, what I'd love to start with, um, what I think it baffles a lot of people um, from the West. I don't think it's as baffling seeing some of the, you know, the, the, the way that people have been steered the last couple of years, you know, with, with some of the, the things that have hit the news recently. But what what is it that's happening to, I'm assuming, the young children up to, you know, military age men that's turning so many people, whether out there, you know, Saudi, pa um, Pakistani, Afghani, to become Al Qaeda, Taliban, some of these, you know, these, these humans that are, that are terrorizing. Do you know kind of what that indoctrination process looks like? Uh, your question is, why they became of ISIS? That well, was your question. Yeah. Well, how what how are they being able? It's the same thing as how were the Nazis able to turn so many Germans into, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of evil? You know. So you. how are we doing the same in in those areas that are creating ISIS, Taliban, Al Qaeda, some of these these um you know groups that we're seeing just completely terrorizing their own people? What they do, the mullah, mullah. Mullah, the, uh, some of American don't understand what Mullah means. Mullah means priest. The priest, what they do, they read the Quran, they hijack the Quran, and they come in from very uh, hardcore Wahhabi, Saudi, and Pakistani fundamentalists. They always target uneducated people, wounded people, demolished family people, and they bribe them with a very amount of big money and they bring them, train them to anti-West. Uh, West. Uh, this anger has been there for a long time. Um, if you remember uh, uh, Crusade, Viking, the name of religion, Jews, Muslim, uh, Turkish, and Armenian. The religion, sometimes when you hijack the religion, uh, you can make it the boogeyman and brainwash people. And brainwash people, uh, bribing money. Money is right now the most powerful things to that region. 
and they don't have a bread to eat. And I'll give you $100 to survive, but do this for me. And the government is not providing job for them. And the government's bribed. And, and I remember uh, one guy says, I was going to see the judge to get divorced or a couple of other uh, difficulty he had. By the time getting from one side of the hall to the beginning by the, the room 34, by reach the judge, three checkpoint, the little guys asking money. By the time you get it to judge, uh, you have to have a two, three hundred dollars to give the judge to pass your sign, assign your paperwork, you and get divorced, whatever you want. Yeah, the governments always keep their people blind and hungry, and they don't. They throw bones for them, and you have to understand the same thing. Saddam did it. The same thing. Gaddafi did it. Same thing. Nariago did it. Same thing. Uh, uh, South America did it. The same thing. Afghanistan did it, and they keep their people very hungry and uh, needy and uh, they throw money and they tell them to go train on these caves and mountains and madrasa. Uh, madrasa means a school to some of you guys who don't understand. And they come in the same thing. We get brainwashed here. So we do have uh, these people go to high school shooting uh, local uh, terrorists we have here. Same thing here. They go to high school, they get brainwashed on the, or they become a um, fundamentalist with the video games and they do good mall shooting. Same thing over there. Same thing. They hijack them very young age, 12, 13, because this age is very innocent that time. I mean, American too, same high school shooting happened here a couple of times in the church, just stuff like that. And same thing over there is they tell them to go blow up yourself. You go to heaven, you will see beautiful there's this, and I will take care of your family. They always give them an empty promise. That's how they become a fundamentalist, a suicide bomber or serial killers, uh, serial killers, killers. And it's, uh, they always target innocent and uneducated people. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting to hear. And, and you know, I've, I've had um, people on who were, who responded to some of those mass shootings and you reverse engineer that and there is, you know, yeah. there's mental yeah. ill health. I mean, Colorado, Colorado shooting that was 10, 15 years ago. They, that kid was hiding himself in the closet and played video games, violent video games. And by the way, I've been warning American, let uh, stay away video games. I said, don't let your kids buy a video game. Technically, you give your, your when you, every time you buy a DVD or a video game for your kids, you're buying a bullet with a gun with a bullet. Yeah. Well, I had a guy, um, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, who's, you know, very respected in the military, and he wrote a whole book on that. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, the games aren't bad. And they don't realize there's layers to it. You know, there's there's conditioning. You know, there's a reward system as you shoot in these games. It, it mirrors um, some of the actual software they use to train our military, to train our law enforcement. And then a big one is, is sleep deprivation. A lot of these gamers are staying up all night. ISIS. ISIS did it the same thing in Syria and Iraq. They were sending this video to Germany, uh, Belgium, Holland, and so many white Caucasian uh, European, they want to join them. And the reason they joined them, they saw some kind of challenge and they were 16, 15. And um, I wrote a big article for New York Times. I will send it to you. I call it invisible casualty. Video game is an invisible casualty. Look at the table manners gone. Respect is gone. When you get home, hi, honey. Shut up. I'm busy with this game. Or they have their headphones. They do not even know, know if their parents are at home or not. 
and t- kids uh, texting their mom downstairs in the kitchen, can I have a sandwich? And the kids, the mom's texting back. And we all been brainwashed by this uh, propaganda, video game propaganda, uh, wrong, false uh, news. Yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, when you look at the perfect storm, all these different elements. Now, going back to to Afghanistan for a second, um, one of the things I, I had a Green Beret, Jeremiah Wilbur on, and he was talking again about one of the other misunderstandings is that we look at Afghanistan as, as a country, but he says you, what you don't understand is there's all these different tribes. There's all these different you know cultures within this one nation. So was that also one of the challenges, um, you know, Maybe when we came in, looking at the whole country as whole rather than understanding the, not even so much the politics, but the different cultures um, region-wise. And therefore, there wasn't this kind of national communication like you'd have, for example, in the U.S. Uh, Afghanistan has a 16, 17 tribes. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong with the number, but they have Azara, Pashtun, Tajik, Uzbek, Pashayi, Nuristani. And the border of, of Pakistan, we have a Pashtuns all over Pashtun, which is the British split us in uh, the 18th century. They split us, they split Afghanistan between Pashtunistan and Afghanistan, which is Pashtun from Pakistan. Their brother with the uh, Afghan Pashtuns called the Ghadjil tribe. The Drani, uh, Drani uh, tribe, which is the other Pashtuns right now, they have a difficulty, the Taliban between them, Drani and Ghadjil. The Drani is coming from Kandahar, that's the King Zahir Shah, uh, Muhammad Zai, Barak Zai, Achik Zai, which is they're very educated. There's uh, very powerful people. Both Pashtun side is powerful. Then we go towards Tajikistan, we go northern Afghanistan. But when World War III happened, all the Tajik Uzbek became a refugee to Afghanistan, which is Tajikistan, Uzbekistan. That's why we have a Tajik Uzbek. And, um, and we have a Azara, Azara the Mughal, which is Kangis Khan went to Afghanistan, invade Afghanistan. He left Azara. Azar means thousand. He left a thousand of his soldiers, which is we have the Asian looking Afghan, which is look like a Chinese or Japanese and they've been demolished by Sunni uh, Muslim which is their Shia uh, uh, Shia uh, belief the other part of the uh, other part of Islam which is they get support by Iranian uh, Iranian Hezbollah, Iranian uh, fundamentalist Shia uh, countries those People. And the Tajik on his back right now in Panjshir Valley, which is Northern Alliance, Hamacha Masood was the leader. He got killed two days before the 9-11. He's um, Tajik. Tajik, which is, of course, Tajik is not going to support his own people if something happened. And right now they're struggling. They, um, according to my belief and my uh, education, Pashtunas are the majority. Pashtun is the majority, and they run Afghanistan for a long time. They've been running Afghanistan for 100, 100, 100 years. And uh, 
the Tajik and Uzbek uh, run the country maybe for two years, three years, then they de de demolish and they collapse. The reason they collapse because they always been brainwashed by neighbors. When as soon as their neighbors try to get involved with the involved with Afghanistan, in Afghanistan is the Silk Road of between Central Asia, the highest mountain in the world, and um, the highest mountain in Central Asia, and the richest country in the world uh, in Central Asia. I apologize. That's why every empire is coming to Afghanistan to brainwash their uh, their uh, tribes. And that's why it's always been a tribe. Uh, uh, the Zaras blame the Pashtun, Pashtun blaming the Tajik, and they all blaming each other. You abused me for five hundred years ago. I never forget. You put a bridge from uh, my village to village, and and King Abdullah Khan, he did a good job. He, he mixed them up, bring the Pashtun to north, north to south, to south to east. He mixed them up a lot of good. But the time I was there, the king, 1966, there was no Pashtun, no Tajik, no Uzbek to among each other, to fight with each other. We all get along like a brother. Like you guys in America, you guys have a black, Mexican, Asian, this, this. Sometimes I see rise up, you guys can, then later on you guys shut up and they all get along well. And same thing uh, in Afghanistan. We've been uh, influenced by neighbors, and neighbors, uh, uh, unfortunately, we have a very bad neighbors. I mean, Pakistan's been damaged us for 45 years. We lost three, four, five million Afghan because of Pakistan. We lost so many Afghan because of Iran. And now the new news that China wants to get involved to come to Afghanistan, help uh, pulling everything out from uh, these mountains, 22,000 feet high. We, Like I say, we have a lot of stuff in there. And now Russian tried to help the Northern Alliance, which is the Panjshir Valley. Panjshir Valley, Russian got defeated seven times over there. They couldn't defeat uh, Commander Masood. Commander Masood gave them a lesson seven times. And yesterday, what I heard, one of the Russian intelligent KGB, he says, well, I'm just warning Taliban, whatever you guys do, do not invade Panjshir. Valley because you guys are going to lose. But right now, the Taliban and the Panjshiri is talking with each other, and hopefully, a light's coming. Hopefully, this time, something powerful coming. But in the last 18, year, 18 days, to be honest with you, I'm listening to the Afghan TV, and Taliban is not the same Taliban, and no bribing, and no stealing, no stealing cell phone. When you go see the judge, your job's finished in 10 minutes with any bribing. There used to be an Afghan government when America was controlling them for 20 years. There was a robbery, killing, kidnapping, uh, American money demolished, where the money go. And money, we Americans send them money for uniform. The uniform monies go to the warlord pocket. And they, they did a lot of damage. I mean, and I'm not blaming, blaming the Afghan soldiers. I'll be honest with you, if you don't pay me, if you don't feed me, I will not going to fight you. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big part. I remember um, there was a thing on Netflix not too long ago. I think it was called How to Make a Tyrant. Um and it was an interesting. It was like literally a moment they said, but but the uh, the comment was made that some of the Iraqi soldiers, you know, were were weak that didn't fight hard. But as you said, they they weren't 
given the tools to be warriors because Saddam didn't want an army that could overthrow him, you know? So these yeah. are the kind of little uh, kind of space between the lines, them. yeah, that we don't hear. Yeah. Now, in uh, Taliban, Taliban circled Kabul and even the American was there and American intelligence made a deal with the Taliban on Doha and which is uh, doing a, a, a President um, Trump and uh, President Trump made a deal with them and we'll, they're going to come over there. But um, the map for President Trump was a totally different. The map was President Biden. But you have to understand, eight different presidents was involved with this situation in Afghanistan. From 1979, Carter, Ronald Reagan, Bush uh, Sr., uh, Clinton, and Bush uh, Jr., I mean, W. Bush, and Obama and uh, what you call uh, Trump and the poor Biden took all the trash. And I'm not uh, blaming anybody who's uh, who did the big uh, miscalculation how to withdraw. And that 13 uh, Marine die and 300 Afghan die. And yesterday, four children died with the drone strike. And uh, they don't deserve to die. I mean, American soldier, they just take orders, go over there, and 3,000, uh, 3, almost 3,000 U.S. Uh, military die, 20,000 of them wounded, they come in handicap, and 185,000 Afghan civilian and army, and uh, they die for what? And this is sad. It's sad because... Uh, Afghanistan was a machine, a money machine maker for Western and for Afghan uh, corruptions. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a through line that I'm hearing a lot from our veteran. There's definitely, and I talk about this with the obesity epidemic here and and the you know the pharmaceutical companies. There are there are yeah, opium, opium. Yeah, from there we Afghanistan. go. Yeah, so there are organizations that are making a huge amount of money when we go to war. There are organizations that are making a huge amount of money when our nation smokes, when they become obese, you know, when, you know, they're addicts, as you said, you know, those are, those are, um, legal and illegal, depending on which, <laughs> which dealer you choose. I mean, um, one Humvee, one Humvee and one Ambrose was almost $900,000. Yeah, there's a lot of money, and uh, I never forget when I was patrolling. Um, my commander asking one of the old men, "Where does opium go?" And the old man looked at the captain, "You, you take the plane. Woo, woo. You're the one taking the opium." I said, "My captain, look at me. What the hell is going on? What he's talking about, sir?" I'm saying, "You just take orders. Let's do your job. Let's go home." Because I've, I'm, I mean, I'm very proud of our military. I'm very proud of what they did in Afghanistan. But behind the scenes, someone else do the order and someone else do um, uh, control. Uh, as a as a culture, technical advisor, linguist, I was with the Marina. Just take order. And I'm uh, be honest with you. I hope they're correct, and I hope they were doing the right decision or did the right decision. But don't forget, we lost. Uh, almost 2,900 uh, Marines, I mean, soldiers, 20,000 wounded. And I just, I'm going to have an interview next week. I'm going to give a, uh, not an interview, I actually have a class for wounded and damaged military people. 21 Marines killed themselves a day. And nobody's talking about that. 
Why? Because they've been in Afghanistan and Iraq and they come in here and they, our system is so messed up. When they come here, nobody gives them a job. They should have provided for them, provide apartment, uh, salary, and a good income until they stand up on their feet. Because you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to forget about, I mean, don't forget this. I mean, these people fought for our country. I fought for this country. I mean, you fought for this country as a fireman. You did. We pay our dues. We need to get respect. But these uh, leaders, um, be honest with you, I'm very disappointed from uh, all eight presidents, what they did. And I'm disappointed about the English, uh, Tony Blair. And I'm uh, disappointed with Musharraf. And I'm disappointed uh, with uh, uh, Putin. And Brezhnev and uh, uh, Gorbachev, they all was involved and they all uh, American blood, Afghan blood in their hands. Yeah, well, I think, like I said, it's it's a unique perspective and we have to listen to all the voices. Now, one of the, the other through lines that I hear, obviously, the one is the industrial military complex. I've heard a lot of people now who I respect incredibly who've been on here, um, and it seems to be the same message. If we were going to go to an Afghanistan, it seems like sending special operations, special forces at the very beginning and then, you know, training up um, armies and then leaving again. Now, again, I'm not a military guy. I don't fully understand it, but I hear that over and over and over again from our veterans. So with you having, you know, been attached to the Marines, with you being Afghani, if we were going to come in, you know, what? What would have been the right choice? Is, is that something that you've heard that you think would have been you talk the about right in approach? the future? No, no, no. I'm talking if, if you get to kind of look back and analyze it, because I, I keep hearing that over and over again. We should have been out by, you know, 0203. Um, to me, do you remember they pick up uh, um, Noriego? They pick him up in 24 hours. The damage intelligence we had in America, right? Why we didn't pick him Bilal in 24 hours or 48 hours? Why we spent a $3 trillion? Why we lost 2,900 people and 180,000 Afghans and 20,000 uh, wounded and messed up? We could have just finished this one on $2 million, $3 million, finish the job and get out. But, but you have to understand, this war has been started in 1839. 1839, when the British were there, when the Mughal was there, when Kangis Khan's were there. No, actually, apologize. The Kangis Khan, Mughal, Alexander the Great was BC. There was a BC. 1839, that's how the war started between communist and uh, uh, capitalism. There's been, this war been there, but that's been a little cold. And like I say, when the British attacked Afghanistan in 1839 until 1990, the third time, the Russian was helping the Afghan to how to defeat uh, the West. And 1979, the other way, the, the thing reverse, the Russian attack and the Ronald Reagan took a revenge, uh, took a revenge what happened when 1939 ha happened. And thanks to Ronald Reagan, thanks to Afghan, destroy communists. Because of Afghanistan, we have, uh, because of Afghanistan, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, all these communist countries took their freedom. Who gave them the freedom? 
the Afghan give them, but nobody mentioned that. Who give them the weapons? Ronald Reagan and Charlie Wilson, the Stingers, and with Afghan power. I never forget one of the message for Afghan uh, from President Reagan. If you want to defeat communists with Afghan power, American blood, American weapon. Yeah, so it's so important for us to hear. Like I said, you did I say it right with Afghan power, American weapon? Yeah. Yes, I said it right. Yes, you did. Okay, I'm yeah. Done. Okay. Well, then let's <laughs> kind of pull forward again because I know one of the again our our veterans, the the young men and women that we sent to foreign lands to fight. You know, um, again, I'm getting a sense of. They worked alongside Afghani commandos, interpreters, you know, families that, that, that helped, you know, feed them. They played with the kids. So aside from the politics, because I can't stand politics, our men and women on the boots on the ground, you know, were, were interacting with the Afghani people. And there seems to be a lot of guilt with this withdrawal, with leaving them behind. So if you want to paint the picture of just some of the, some of the things that the Afghani people were doing, you know, for the U.S., for their allies, um, and then kind of walk me through the withdrawal and what you're hearing as far as the impact of the way we withdrew on the people that we did leave behind. Okay. First of all, our leader in America made a wrong decision. It started from Carter to now. The last, the now leader should not pull out all the educated Afghan. If you made a deal with Taliban, Donald Trump and Obama and other guys, they made a deal in Doha to what the Taliban is going to be peaceful, take, uh, peaceful end over. Do not kill the translator. Do not kill this. If they already made a deal, the Taliban announced it yesterday. Please do not take our educated people. Who's going to run this country? And 120,000 Afghans, they came in yesterday, today, whatever. I mean, who's going to run that? Actually, is not, not only helping Afghanistan, you damage Afghanistan as well. You take all the educated people. The Taliban was in the mountain for 20 years. He doesn't know how to use the keyboard or to email with this. The, American, the Taliban's come in with the open arm to get rid of the corruptions get rid of the bribery, to bring a solid, a strong government like Saddam. But you have to understand, those people only get controlled powerful men like Saddam and by powerful like uh, people like, uh, uh, like Taliban, like women's right. I'm crossing my finger, crossing my fingers, what they say last three days, four days, they're not gonna destroy women's education, and children, let them go to school. But to my opinion, to my opinion, the one helping Afghans, the one helping for American translator, all the family, they deserve to come. But there's still some of them, they said, I don't want to go. I didn't do nothing wrong. I just translate. What Taliban say, well, forgive and forget. But right now, uh, some of some of them, the airport you saw, they took advantage of their kindness of American. They went over there without any paperwork. They jumped in the plane and some of them fall down. Some of them got killed. And the, the plan was, should be the right way, which is not leave air, a background airbase. 
they, they could have bring all whoever wants to leave, whoever wants to leave to come to the airport, airport, I mean, what do you call a background air base and slowly taking our weapons out, first the people, the weapons, then the soldiers. But you have to understand, we left them $15 billion weapons. But you have to understand, but do you, we don't know what's going on behind the scene. Who made that deal with them? And now ISIS, I have a, one a message for all American and all uh, American government. If we leave Afghanistan for good, if we don't watch Taliban, if we don't ask, Taliban was yesterday begging the American, do not close the embassy. Stay there, let's work together. But the American left today, like an hour ago. But in my opinion, they should have stayed there. My opinion should leave three, 4,000 soldiers with Taliban to work as a team to get rid of the Al-Qaeda and ISIS, which is ISIS and Al-Qaeda slowly getting powerful and powerful and Northern Alliance gets supported by Russian. You know, this war, Afghanistan has been a football field for two centuries. And by Russian, by British, by American, by Kangis Khan, by Alexander, Alexander the Great. And we've been, been abused uh, for a long time. Enough is enough. So with, with that lens that you have now, you know, to many of us, the Taliban are the boogeyman, ISIS are the boogeyman, Al-Qaeda are the boogeyman. Kind of educate me on the dynamic. Um, you know, what is it about the Taliban that you as an Afghani, you know, um, national originally born and bred feel like there there's a glimmer of hope that they will do the right thing and how is that different from al-qaeda and isis for example taliban they separate themselves when the leader of taliban got arrested and uh, he was in jail and president obama released him one of the leader the second leader was in pakistan donald trump's release him which is this proof, you're welcome to Google it or I will send it to you. Um, why they released them? To keep them away from Al-Qaeda from Pakistan or uh, ISIS. One of them, they both went to the Qatar, Qatar and Dubai. And American intelligence, one big mistake they did, without any permission of Afghan government, they went to talk to them. On that table was sitting when American intelligence was sitting, Khalil Zot, which is one mess, uh, messenger for American. He's Afghan born, but American. In none of Afghan, Afghan government people was there. They closed the deal behind the scene. They closed the deal between Taliban and American. They closed the deal in nine days they took over Afghanistan. And they could these corruption government because America knows they were crap. The American knows they're not loyal to them, even there wasn't loyal to them. It's true. American uh, gave a woman's right, this, this. The government was given a woman's right, children's right, this, this. Everybody's party, everybody's happy. But American wake up and say, wait a minute, if we keep staying there, but spending more money, 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 we're going to collapse. You have to understand every empire left Afghanistan, they lost their empires. Why they lost their empires? They collapsed from financial, from inside. 
American now is waking up because we have to protect ourselves. We have to know what's going on. We don't want to collapse from inside. As you witnessed last three years, we have a corona, we have a black and white issues here, racism rises up, everything. I mean, no one can defeat America. Only the American defeated from inside. Same thing in Afghanistan. The Afghan government defeat themselves. And one guy says, for him, you guys won a lot, but you guys don't know how to spend it. I'm saying, what do you mean? America went to Korea, went to Japan, went to Philippines, went to Germany, built those countries. Why you guys shut up and take advantage of it and nice and be nice, be stop corruption? And I told the Afghan intelligence, you guys destroying your own country. And uh, uh, one guy who used to sell uh, swap meat or thrift shop, now he's a head of the key, head of the police. Where's your education? They brought that guy from the street, from the market, put him here, and they gave him two AK-47 and they gave him two Forerunner bulletproof. Where'd that come from? American money. What did American did one big mistake? Not the one big mistake, a lot of big mistakes. They should have not helped the crap present, corruptions, pres, uh, what do you call it, uh, government. So looking at it a slightly different way then, if you could be king for a day, what what would Afghanistan need? You know, what, what would the leadership look like? What would the inclusion be with the tribes to to lead the country the way that you feel it needs to be led? I have, a, I have a one quote from King Zersha in 1950. King Zersha, one of his soldiers asked him, uh, King, uh, this village might raise up against us. He says, keep him hungry. They need us. If I was the king, I fill it up their stomach, I fill it up their education, I fill it up their needs, I bring electricity. We American was in Afghanistan for 20 years, still we don't have electricity. We have the best waters coming from Indukush Mountain, Pamir Mountain from Afghanistan. We feed Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, uh, uh, Iran, India, and Pakistan. We can stop those waters to build it up our own, uh, what do you call it, uh, make electricity. Uh, oh, yeah, the, like the power plant. Power plant. Yeah. We have the best snow. We have the best opium. We can do a lot of things. If I'm be the king, I fill it up my people's need first. I fill it up my people's what they need. Trust me, you don't have a time for this tribe leader. You don't have a time for it. You're Tajik, you're Uzbek, you're Azara. But they get our neighbor. Our neighbor keep us in dark. They won't let us educate it. They destroy our Buddha in 1996. Who did it? Pakistan and Saudi did it. The Buddha was 100 million years old, whatever that was. The Taliban destroyed it. Why? By whose? By whose order? Pakistan and Saudi, because Islam doesn't leave, doesn't believe a statue. What a dark they were before. Now I have a hope 
these Taliban's doing in 526, they're all educated, they're all, I listen to them, some of them engineers, some of them know how to use a computer, this, 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 this. It's not the same Taliban and American intelligence behind them. But let me tell you something, America hasn't left. They're still there helping them. I'm talking about mentally, physically they left, mentally they're still there. Because it's going to be a threat by Russia. It's going to be a threat by Pakistan. But you have to understand, American, they, they're like a ship, a sheeper. When they feed you, feed you, one day when you get the sheep's getting big, 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 one day cut your head off and it will eat you. America will never forget what Pakistan did to them. What can a, what can a double agent they play with them? Americans not a stupid American intelligence. They're not stupid. They're hiding Bin Laden for 15 years without saying anything. The Afghan intelligence was telling them, uh, telling American Bin Laden's in Lower Pindi, 20 minutes from the big base from Islamabad, but nobody listened. I was warning President Obama, please do not pull out from Afghanistan. It's going to be second 9-11. I wrote a letter for President Biden. Please do not pull, just leave 2,000 over there. But I'm crossing my finger. I'm crossing for the American. I'm crossing for the Afghan. Peace coming. And I want a special thanks to my team, 3-4 India company, what they did for Afghanistan and Army, Marines. And I trained in Fort Bennett, Georgia. I trained everywhere. And I salute them and I want to thank them. What they did for this country. And they, a lot of them lost. A lot of them, they lost their mother, brothers, sisters, this. For what? Are we repeating the stories and what happened uh, uh, in Korea? I mean, uh, Korea, Vietnam. We should not repeat that. Because from now on, nobody going to trust us. From now on, when we go a country, nobody trusts us. That's true, no one left behind, but we lost 3,000 Americans, 160, 80,000 Afghans, 20,000 of them, they're handicapped right now. And they should have do something for their veteran, respect their veteran, bring them home with an open hawk, open arm. See, it's, again, so, so powerful to hear because I had a room of... Three three guests, I went up to Jacksonville Beach a few days ago. Um, one was a Vietnam veteran. He was a Delta operator there. Another one was a Green Beret veteran, uh, excuse me, Green Beret Iraqi veteran. So he fought, he fought in Iraq, uh, Jason. And then his wife, Emily, was a CIA operative, uh, excuse me, CIA case manager who worked in West Africa. So three very, very different um, educated lenses, but all actually detached from Afghanistan specifically. But the big thing they hit on was exactly what you said. It's that lack of trust. We went in, we promised one thing, and then we broke that promise. So that's a really important thing to hear because you've just you know underlined what they were saying. Yeah. I was patrolling in one um, village. My commander says, Fahim, tell him, is any commander, any Taliban was here, any Al-Qaeda is here? The, the old man looked at me and said, tell him, shut up and leave. And I tell my commander, I have to do the right translation. And I say, sir, I don't want to repeat that, what he says. I say, no, Fahim, tell me what he says. I'm saying, shut up and leave. Ask him why. He says, you guys came in here two months ago, give us an empty promise, and you guys didn't deliver it. The Taliban come in the next day, killed my son. Because they were talking to you, and they saw it with binocular. Uh, we have to be careful. We have to be careful when we invade a country. 
you have to understand Afghanistan is very easy to invade, but it's hard to get out. So what would you tell the veteran, the, the young man or young woman that, as you said, followed orders, went to a, a foreign country, you know, watched you know, atrocities happen in Afghanistan, maybe watched their, their friends killed, maybe lost a limb, and now they have that feeling, that inner voice that says, you know, what for what? You know, what what do we do it for? As um, a veteran, as apologize, no, no, please, as please. a veteran, as a veteran, uh, culture technical advisor, uh, linguist, and I'm honored what I did for you guys. Keep your heads up. What he did in Afghanistan, you did a great job, and I'm very proud of you. As an Afghan-born American, just listen to me. You didn't do wrong. You did your service. You take your order from your boss. You're coming home. Some of you guys don't have a leg. Some of you guys have emotional. Some of you have a PTSD. Please, please be strong and care about yourself. You didn't do wrong. They're the one did it wrong. Whoever ordered you the wrong, whoever did them, don't blame Biden and Trump and Bush. This eight president was involved. Eight president from Carter to Biden. They all was involved. They all bombed in Afghanistan. They all sent you guys there. They all made money and the other side made money. Everybody made money. It's, everything is about money. And the one you did service, be proud, keep your heads up. And what he did, you did the right thing. The one that's going to join, just join for not for your boss. Join what you like about this country. Join to be a Marine, Army, Navy, Sea, or whatever you want to what you love to be joined. Don't do what my, your country does. What he says, do what your country does, what uh, Ronald Reagan, I um, mean, no, Kennedy says. Yeah, I think ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Here we go. Do, you do what your country do. I mean, there's a lot of you guys now, you're embarrassed what our leader did it. Don't be embarrassed. It's not your job to be embarrassed. Let them be doing be embarrassed. You didn't do nothing wrong. You took order. You went to the village and come back. You got shot. You shot them. And we have to understand the other side was brainwashed Pakistan by Pakistan and Saudi and Al-Qaeda and uh, ISIS. They did the same thing with the leader they told them. Their leader told them. They don't know, go kill American. And these guys get orders, go kill the Taliban. They all get orders. And I'm telling you guys. I'm very proud what I did for this country in Afghanistan. You should be proud as well. Beautiful. Well, I want to get to go back to Hollywood in a second and talk about your recent projects. But before we do, is there any other area, any other topic that you've seen has either not been covered or miscommunicated that you want to clear up before we move to back to uh, you know the, the glitz and glamour of uh, film life? Uh, no, everything is good i mean we did everything and we should uh keep an eye on taliban and make sure we don't lose afghanistan for the third round and you have to understand uh, uh 1989 uh, when russian left and we left to pakistan and afghanistan we didn't help the freedom fighters we miss, uh, can I use F word? Yes. We fuck it up the end game. 
1996, the Taliban took over. 2001, we kicked them out. And two hours ago, we fucked up the end game again. And make sure we don't fuck it up the end game again and we don't have to start it again. All you can do, my advice to our leaders in the White House, just don't invade a country if you cannot afford it. Don't invade a country to leave, give them an empty promise. Don't invade a country and leave what 150 educated people bring them here and the Afghan, uh, all those educated people here in Afghanistan collapse by themselves. The world collapse by themselves if Taliban don't watch it, if, if Taliban don't have enough technology or, or, or get help by American or China or Russia. A country, I'm going to give you last message for all of you. Afghan are not for sale, but they're for rent. I'm talking about the Afghan government. They're not for sale, but they're for rent. But we've been puppet for centuries. We've been puppet by Russian, British, American, and now America, Afghan says we don't we don't want to be a puppet for a Pakistani puppet, which is never going to happen. Never going to happen. Yes, that is my last message for American government: Do not leave. Even you left hour ago, but do not leave. Leave them alone. I mean, they listen to you guys in Doha. You, President Trump, President Obama, President Biden. You guys signed paper with them. Do not leave other empty promise for them. The Taliban gonna get hand, they reach their hand to communist or socialism or, uh, or uh, what do you call it, uh, ISIS. And ISIS is very strong, powerful team. If we don't watch, if we don't support packs of a uh, Taliban. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your perspective. I mean, thank again, you. it's, you know, it's, it's important, especially for me being completely removed from a lot of these conversations and purely just a, a student, but to hear, you know, the US military perspective from boots on the ground, to hear your perspective, to hear Johnny Walker's perspective. These are really empowerful, excuse me, really powerful, um, you know, lenses that most of us don't get. And we spent an hour up to this point talking and, you know, you've educated, I think, a lot of us on, on the history and, and the complexity of this issue. Thank you. I wish I know more to tell you guys. I mean, I made a big note for you guys. I make sure I say the right time, the right uh, uh, dates, because uh, like I say, we've been, been tortured for a long time. Is enough is enough. Absolutely. Is enough enough to... Uh, People make money here in Afghanistan, lose people. Enough. I think it's enough. Because we don't wanna we don't wanna finger point to anybody. We all did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Well, I want to get to some closing questions, but before I ask about other books and other films, firstly you have a new book that's about to come out. So let's talk about that. My new book's called um, Blood and Family. This is my experience. Uh, it's a fiction. Fiction, what I saw in Afghanistan 
and I'm going to give you guys a little tease on this one. Uh, you remember that one soldier left the base from Afghanistan and went to kill a bunch of Afghan civilians and come back to the base? Yes. Uh, yes, this is the story about that person and uh, the one of uh, little boy Ishmael's come to the base crying and the general hug him, uh, Colonel hug him and take his soldiers, go all the way down to uh, to check it out, uh, the whole village demolished, but this little eight years old boy is still alive. And he searched uh, to who went to kill them, but there wasn't a soldier that was from the Blackwater. You remember Blackwater went to Iraq and Afghanistan? Yes, they were the contractors. Yeah, the contractors. And uh, yeah, the Blackwater went, did a lot of damage in Iraq and Afghanistan. And which is they're not soldier, they give the soldier bad name. And this colonel called America, Kansas City, his wife, they don't have a kid and say, honey, can I adopt? Um, that make me emotional right now. Uh, uh, can I adopt the little boys? The whole family's dying. The whole family dead. I want to bring him. And he bring him to America. And the rest, you guys have to read. <laughs> Blood and family. <laughs> Blood and family. Blood and family. A good co-author of a friend of mine's, uh, Taylor Stefan, is a young kid, 21 years old. He's a great writer. And I told him it took us three years to finish this book. And uh, my first book, Fahima Speaks, and thanks to uh, Michael Moffat, Colonel Moffat, which has helped me up in Afghanistan. He says, I'm going to help you up to write your experience uh, to write a book. And uh, I'm very honor to call him my brother because I surf with him. He's a historian, Marine Colonel, and he did help us and Fahim speaks and we got a, a nominated gold medal writer society and we got a blur from Clint Eastwood. He got a blur from Tom Haynes and Bill Murray and all over the news. And thanks to uh, one uh, producer accepted uh, to make a movie. His name is Lance Matthew. How do you pronounce it? I give you the name. Oh, yeah. Ma it was um, uh, God, uh, Michio, I think it was. Michio. Yes. Yeah. Lance Michio. He's a great guy. He's wrote those scripts and very soon it's going to be pushing to uh, LA funding and um, uh, we're working to uh, uh, all of Stone's going to direct it and hopefully I play my father as a character and everything's going smooth. Everything in our, my new movie is going to come out, The Prey, with uh, Danny Trejo, which is Lance Mechu. He's the producer. And hopefully everything's going smooth and I pray for all of us. I pray for our military, Afghans, United States, Afghan people all over the world. Hopefully peace coming because uh, be honest with you, we all tired. We've been tired for 45 years. I think it's enough is enough. And our soldiers tired, our Marines tired. Family lost a lot of stuff. And the race is going on in this country. It's enough is enough. We all have to stop it.